Hello, and welcome back to the Institute. Once again, I am the curator of the Institute, Lo G Man. As promised, we will enter the exotic, the erotic room that houses our pinup models and bikini exhibits. So put on your mask, wash your hands, and douse yourself in sanitizer because we are going to enter the room that only men dare. Now, pinup models uh, is a model whose mass-produced pictures see widespread appeal as part of popular culture. Pinup models are variously glamour models, fashion models, or actresses. Pinups are intended for informal display, meant to be pinned up on a wall, which is the basis for etymology of the phrase. These pictures are also sometimes known as cheesecake photos. Cheesecake is very tasty, and it's also an American slang word that became a publicly acceptable term for scantily clad semi-nude or nude photos of women because pinup was considered taboo in the early 20th century. The term pinup may refer to drawings, paintings, and other illustrations as well as photographs. The term was first attested to in the English in 1941, even though the practice is documented at least back to 1890s. Pinup images could be cut out of magazines or newspapers, or they could be on a postcard or a lithograph. Such pictures often appear on walls, desks, or calendars. Posters of these types of images were mass-produced and became popular starting in the mid-20th century. Beginning in the early 19th century, pinup modeling had theatrical origins. Burlesque performers and actresses sometimes used photographic advertisements as business cards to advertise their shows. These promotion and business cards could often be found backstage in almost every theater's green room, pinned up or stuck into frames of the looking glass in the joints of the gas burners and sometimes lying on top of sacred cast iron cases itself. To understand both the complicated identity and the subversive nature of the 19th century actress, one must also understand that the era's views on women's potential was tied to their sexuality. Yeah, sexuality. Which in turn was tied to the level of visibility in the public sphere regardless of race, class, or background. It was generally assumed that the more public the woman, the more public or available her sexuality. 
according to historian Maria Elena Buzik. Being sexually fantasized, famous actresses in early 20th century film were both drawn and photographed and put on posters to be sold for personal entertainment. Among the celebrities who were considered sex symbols are one of the most popular early pinup girls was Betty Grable, whose poster was ubiquitous in the lockers of the GIs during World War II. In Europe, prior to the First World War, the likeness of Miss Ferndale, who some identify as Ferndale, Barry, Fernandine, Fernandino, Fernandi, Fernandi, that's it, Ms. Fernandi. <laughs> These old names are so weird. It takes a while for you to really get used to see, seeing them. Anywho, uh, she was the world's first pinup in the modern sense. She play, displayed uh, ample cleavage and full frontal, and her, her pictures were cherished by soldiers on both sides of the First World War conflict. Wow. Imagine your enemies liking you as much as your, the heroes. Wow. There must be some woman. Fernandi. Fernandina. Fernandone. Fernandi. Fernandi. I bet she's 90 now. Um, maybe more. Oh, well, she, she would probably end up being in her 20s. When, so that would... Yeah, she's probably dead. Um, other pinups were artwork depicting idealized versions of what some thought a particularly beautiful or attractive woman should look like. An early example of the latter type was the Gibson girl. A representation of the new woman drawn by Charles Dana Gibson because the new woman was symbolic of her new ideas about her sex. It was evitable that she would also come to symbolize new ideas about sexuality. Unlike the photographed actresses and dancers generations earlier, wow, think about that. So we're skipping gens. Uh, Fantasy gave artists the freedom to draw women in many different ways. Oh, it's not that much further. The 1932 Esquire's men's magazine featured many drawings in girly cartoons. Precursor to uh, Penthouse, maybe? I know Penthouse had a lot of cartoons. Um, the most famous was Esquire's Vargas Girls. Prior to World War II, they were praised for their beauty and less focus was on their sexuality. However, during the war, the drawings transformed into women's playing dress-up in military drag and drawn in seductive manners, like that of a child playing with a doll. The Vargas Girl became so popular that from 42 to 46, owning a high volume of military demand, nine million copies of the magazine without adverts and free of charge was sent to the troops stationed overseas and in domestic bases. The Vargas girls were a 
adapted as nose art on many World War II bomber and fighter aircraft. Generally, they were considered inspiring and not seen negatively or as prostitutes, but mostly as inspiring female patriots that were helpful for good luck. I'll tell you, those are my favorites personally. I'm always looking for the Vargas girl. There's so many of them out there, and there's modern interpretations of them uh, using other uh, cartoon-like women uh, from comic books to uh, furries to Disney to everything. There are lots of modern-day Vargas girls are everywhere. Among the other well-known artists specializing in the field, uh, there's a lot of them. I'm not going to say any of them. You know, um, I'm going to just go all the way here to talk about uh, Olivia de Bernardini's, known for her pinup art of Betty Page and her pieces in Playboy. Now, Betty Page is probably the one that everybody knows. She's like what? What's her name? Dita Von Tess tries to look like that whole um, like pseudo goth. Um, but with that really fair skin and the dark hair, it's, it's, the juxtaposition is what is attractive. Same reason why men like women with uh, red hair, because they're very fair skinned. And it just, the contrast is great. Uh, now, I don't know what women like about men, because I don't play that game. Um, I'm sure and some of my friends would be able to tell me, but I don't... I don't know if there's a special male pinup. I just know a lot about the women for very good reason because that's what I am attracted to. I, I'm a straight shooter, but from the hip. Like a bad football player, always throwing sidearm. Uh, but yeah, it. I, I I could just sit there and just stare because of the the way the ideal woman, per what they are referring to in these pinups, it, it it's just the the figure alone is just beautiful. It's just pure beauty. The lines of a woman, the way, the way uh, her hips line with her shoulders and. Uh, it, it it's just perfect now that's the ideal woman i know way too many women out there that uh, in modern times they just look like a box square and that's no fault of their own that's just the way they are um famous line from roger rabbit uh, when jessica says I'm not bad, I'm only drawn that way. Well, a lot of women are just born, you know, not in the ideal uh, pattern. But I've known women to be gym rats now and they force their bodies to look in that really good way so they look good in anything. Uh, I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just talking about women. Yeah, 
Because everybody keeps asking me about, well, when are we going to go in the pinup room? When are we going to go in the pinup room? Okay, well, now we're in the pinup room, so now you're going to listen to me talk about women. So here we go. We're going. We're in the 1950s. So although pinup modeling is associated with World War II in the 1950s, it developed into a subculture which can be seen represented in the styles of some celebrities and public figures. Oh, modern times. Pamela Anderson was considered the perennial pinup due to decades worth of modeling for Hugh Hefner's Playboy. American singer Lana Del Rey whose style is comparable to that of classic pinup model, has performed a song called Pinup Galore. I wonder if that's a play on Pussy Galore. I haven't heard that song. Can't really stand her voice, but I'll listen to it. Beyonce has recorded a song titled Why Don't You Love Me, which pays tribute to the American pinup queen in 1950s Betty Page. The burlesque performer, here we go, Dita Von Tess, is often referred to as a modern pinup. She has appeared in biographical film about Betty Page. See, I, I just know these things. <laughs> I didn't even read that till now. Uh, Betty Page reveals all, in which Von Tess helps to define pinup. Uh, Katy Perry, oh God makes use of the ideas associated with pinup modeling and has included these in music videos and costumes. The, the Victoria's Secret fashion show can be comparable to a burlesque show, whereas their yearly advent calendar can compare to pinup in general. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? I swear. Women, women, women. The pinup modeling subculture has produced magazines and forums dedicated to its community. Delicious dolls. I love how they name these things. Now, <laughs> when I hear dolls, I, uh, because of my background I immediately go to the musical guys and dolls now dolls were another name for women in the early 20th century you could listen to James Cagney and he would always refer to uh, women as dolls or dames so I don't see them as derogatory or I mean I know a lot of women don't like being catcalled anymore but there are still a lot that like to be loved so maybe maybe that cancel culture needs to go away a little bit uh, don't make everything so androgynous please because it's not going to be good so anyhow delicious dolls it was a magazine that began in 2011 and has both a print and digital version. It was described in 2015 as the most liked pinup magazine in the world. One of the magazine's mission statements is to pr promote the, and showcase retro and modern pinup girls. 
Another well-known modern pinup magazine featuring pinups and vintage dress is Retro Lovely. It's the modern-day pinup magazine with the most sold digital and print copies. It began in 2010 and ran to 2014 and took a four-year hiatus and re resumed publication in 2018 and still being published. They probably had to get more models. I mean, you can only take a picture of the same chick so much before people just, like, get tired of looking at her because you oversaturated the market with one image. Just like a lot of the actresses out there where you throw them in every single movie and it's like, I don't want to see her no more. It's like, who's she, who's she screwing? I mean, it's not Weinstein anymore. So going into Betty Page, let's see. Betty, 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 Betty. Born 1923, dead, 2008. Um, born Betty May. Oh, so she was a redneck. Oh, that's a shame. Although, not necessarily, because there was May West, and she wasn't totally a redneck. Did they even have rednecks back then? In the 20s? I mean, I know they had the working class, but they're not like the hunting, you know, backwoods rednecks like they are now. I mean, even the, the moonshine runners were the closest thing you had to rednecks, and they, they still dressed pretty decent. They had, you know, suits on and derbies and bowler hats and whatnot to make them look presentable. I'm not sure how much teeth they had, but maybe that's just their hillbilly uh, kin. Hmm. Bootleggers. Did you know that bootleggers were the precursor to NASCAR? Part of me thinks I was a bootlegger running that moonshine through the backwoods of Kentucky, Tennessee, Carolinas, Georgia, New York. <laughs> yes, there was moonshine stills in New York. And yes, it, those of you that don't know, moonshine st stills are notoriously linked to rednecks and the hillbilly subculture. Uh, I'm not really leaning towards Cotton Eye Joe, but you get the point. So, Betty Page, she gained notoriety in the 50s for her pinup photos, often referred to as the queen of pinups. Her shoulder-to-armpit length, jet black hair, blue eyes, and trademark bangs have influenced artists for generations. I think that she was a remarkable lady, an iconic figure in pop culture, who influenced sexuality, taste, and fashion, someone who had a tremendous impact on our society, according to Mr. Hugh Hefner. Um, wow. Makes you wonder if Hugh Hefner actually tried her. You know, give her a spin.
You would have thought that Hugh Hefner would have died a lot younger with all the women that he's had. I'm just fantasizing. Sorry. Um, so anyhow, she's a native of Nashville. Oh, there we go. Redneck City. Okay. Give her that twang. I wonder if she could sing. Well, we'll never know now because she's like six feet under and, you know, infested with earthworms and night crawlers. Uh, she's pushing up the daisies. So she lived in California in her early adult years before moving to New York City. Okay, so she you're born in Nashville. What causes a person to do this? You're born in Nashville. You go to the bright lights of California. You know, you're you're in Hollywood. You 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 are living the dream. You're in Palm Springs. You're 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 you you have the the look that people want. And then you leave California to go to dingy New York City, concrete jungle. I'm sorry, for people that live in New York City, I like the city just like the next person. I would never, ever in my life want to live in New York City. It's such a hole. It's, it's just such a hole. I'm sorry. Um... In 59, she converted to evangelical Christianity and worked for Billy Graham. Okay. So think about this. This is a quintessential rubble. You know. She studied at Bible colleges in Los Angeles and Portland, Oregon, with the intent of becoming a missionary. The only missionary that she probably does did was the position. She liked to see it go in. Um, the later part of Paige's life was marked by depression, violent mood swings, and several years in a state psychiatric hospital while suffering from paranoid schizophrenia. So that's how they got her to Posen. Oh my gosh. They got, she, so she was twisted because of her upbringing. She was twisted because she followed Billy Graham. And then she just lost her mind. Oh my God. Poor, poor woman. Don't ever listen to Billy Graham or Joel Osteen or any of those motherfuckers that are out there. They poison your minds. I'm sure everyone is, I mean, look at, look at everybody at CPAC. They're all loony. They're bitching about cancel culture, and then all of a sudden, they want to cancel everything. Make up your friggin' mind, people. So Betty Page, who was in, in childhood, began spelling her name Betty, B-E-T-T-I-E, while born B-E-T-T-Y. Uh, she was second of six children. Wow. Walter Roy is her dad. And Edna May was the, the mom. Yeah. Definitely backwoods bumpkins. 
I'm getting that image of uh, Beverly Hillbillies in my mind. I'm not sure about y'all. So, parents divorced when she was 10. Oh, wow, divorce. Divorce in the early 20th century. That was unheard of. I swear. Oh. So the father was molesting her when she was 13. Okay. See? No. I can understand why you go into one of those psychiatric hospitals because one, you're you're a sex symbol. Two, you convert to Christianity. Three, you don't know who to love and believe and get love, and so you just throw caution to the wind and just show everyone your goods. I almost want to just interview everybody at a strip club. Just to see if they're kind of nuts, too. Uh, I mean, there has to be something. There has to be just something. I mean, just because you're good to look at doesn't necessarily mean, well, maybe it does, because you're not qualified for anything else. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know anymore. Oh, my God. Okay, listen to this one. So, shortly before graduating from high school, she had met William E. or Billy Neal, a former rival high school sports star who, two years, who was two years older than her. In September of 42, he was drafted into the Army for World War II, and he and Paige married on February 18, 1943. Before he shipped out, for the next few years, she moved from San Francisco to Nashville to Miami to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where she felt a special affinity with the country, its people, and its culture. And then she divorced him in 47. I don't know if you can hear my eyes rolling, but I swear I saw my brain. So in the 50s, artists Jean Bilbrew and Eric Stanton were among the first to paint Betty images. In 1979, artist Robert Blue had a show titled Steps into Space at a gallery on Melrose Place in Los Angeles, where he showed his collection of Betty Page paintings. At that time in New York, uh, wow. I wish these people would actually have real names. I can't even pronounce this shit. I'm just going to skip that one. Can't pronounce that. That makes no sense. A uh, larger cult following was built around Betty Page during the 1980s, of which she was unaware. This renewed attention was focused on her pinup and lingerie modeling rather than those depicting sexual fetishes or bondage. Really? Okay. And you wonder why she went in a psychiatric hospital? I'm so done. These people. This was supposed to be a good episode of the... 
And this is just, okay, in 82, she pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity to attempted murder following a fight with her landlord and spent a 10-year sentence in a mental hospital. I don't know if you want to feel sorry for her or just the way she's brought up or what. My God. In 1993, a telephone interview with Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous page told host Robin Leach that she had been unaware of the resurgence of her popularity, stating that she was penniless and infamous. Uh, Entertainment Tonight produced a segment on her. Paige was living in a group home in Los Angeles. Uh, she was contacted and extensively interviewed for the Betty Page Annuals Volume 2. Her brother, Jack, finally brought her back into public life, explaining my son had noticed all the books and calendars and plates being sold with her face on them. I called her up and said, Betty, there's a chance for you to make money off of this. In 93, Jack persuaded Betty to pursue royalties through Chicago attorney, uh, The Chicago attorney, James L. Swanson, who with Karen Essex wrote the 1996 coffee table book, Betty Page, The Life of a Pinup Legend. It was her appearance on Lifestyles of Rich and Famous, an American TV show that ran from 84 to 95, that led to her acquiring an agent, Everett Fields, the grandson of W.C. Fields. Those of you that don't know who W.C. Fields is, uh, watch some of his movies from way back. It was quite edgy for the time. That's all I have to say. Uh, really, really brilliant actor. One of his partners, Swanson, took over her management and co-authored her biography, but the relationship deteriorated into lawsuits it was primarily Stevens and J.B. Rund, the publisher of Private Peaks, who worked to get her better representation, which helped her collect royalties on images of her used in popular culture. Three years later, nearly penniless and failing to receive any of the royalties, Paige fired Swanson. In 93, she signed with Mark Rossler and his Curtis Management Group, later CMG Worldwide, Paige occasionally autographed pinups at her agent's office in Los Angeles. Uh, after Jim Silkey made a large format comic featuring Paige's likeness in the 90s, Dark Horse Comics, hey, we talked about them before. Go back to the, the comic episode. They published a comic book based on her fictional adventures. Uh, Eros Comics published several Betty Page titles, including the tongue-in-cheek Tor Love Betty, which comically suggested a romance between Pe Betty Page and a wrestler turned Ed Wood film actor Tor Johnson. I remember Tor. Uh, what's, what's a good movie that had Tor in it? Um, what was that? Planet Nine? Or Plan 9. Uh, horrible film. 
horrible, horrible film. Uh, I actually think Bella Lugosi was in that too. If, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in 96, Page granted a TV interview to entertainment reporter um, for NBC Morning Magazine program Real Life. Another biography, The Real Betty Page, The Truth About the Queen of Pinups, was written by Richard Foster. The book stated that a Los Angeles County Sheriff's police report said that Page suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and at age 56 had stabbed her elderly landlord on the afternoon of April 19, 1979. A couple, maybe 20 days after I was born. In an unprovoked attack during a fit of insanity. Okay. So, when you get so frustrated with somebody and you already have a really sodded life, yeah, I could totally see that you just lose your mind. Someone pisses you off, just lose it. Fuck the world and just lose it. Ugh. Feel bad for her yet. I'm not even sure anymore. In her last year, she hired a law firm to help her recoup some of the profits being made with her likeness. According to MTV, Katy Perry's rocker bangs and throwback skimpy jumpers, Madonna's sex book and fascination with bondage gear, Rihanna's obsession with all things leather, lace, and skin binding, or second skin binding, Uma Thurman and Pulp Fiction, the Suicide Girls website, the Pussycat Dolls, and the entire career of Marilyn Manson's ex-wife, Dita Von Tess. Hey, we talked about her before. It would not have been possible without Betty Page. Page's estate made the Forbes annual list of top-earning dead celebrities in 2011 earning $6 million and tied with the estates of George Harrison and Andy Warhol at 13th on the list. 2014, Forbes estimated the Page estate earned $10 million in 2013. It's kind of sad that you're, you're better off dead than alive. Just think about that. So... She died at, at the age of 85 from pneumonia and a heart attack. Not necessarily in that order, but good Lord. Well then, we touched on pinups, we touched on Betty Page. We got a little depressed, we got a little giddy. Laughed and laughed and laughed. Um, I rolled my eyes a lot. I paused a lot. I want to forget everything. Let's just move on to something different here. So where are we at? Oh yes, we got we got a little bit of time left. So what we got next? We got oh the other exhibit. That's right. The other exhibit. The Bikini. Whoa. 
Why would I be talking about a bikini? Well, something about it. Something about it since I was a little kid. Something about it. Only the pretty girls wore them. Now, the ugly ones wear them. As well as the pretty ones. Yeah. I am so not PC. This is not... This is funny. Okay, so... What is a bikini? Oh, it's a women's two-piece swimsuit featuring two triangles of fabric on the top that cover the breasts, and two triangle pieces of fabric on the bottom, the front covering the pelvis, but exposing the navel, and the back covering the buttocks. Ooh, yeah. Itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny. The size of the top and bottom can vary from bikinis that offer full coverage of the breast, pelvis, and buttocks to more revealing designs with a thong or a G-string that only covers the front but exposes the butt. And a top that covers little more than... Oh, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about the area like... Oh, shoot, I said it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some fun here. I can feel it. I can feel it. So, in May of 46, a Parisian fashion designer, Jacques, 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 how many different ways can you say that? Jacques Haim released a two-piece swimsuit design that he named the Adam and advertised it as the smallest swimsuit in the world. Sounds like a roadside attraction, doesn't it? Like swimsuits of the era, it covered the wearer's navel and it failed to attract much attention. Clothing designers, Louis Riard, introduced his new smaller design in July, he named the swimsuit after the Bikini Atoll, where the first public test of a nuclear bomb had taken place only four days before. So I bet it's still hot there. Uh, his skimpy design was risque, exposing the wearer's navel and much of her buttocks. No runway model would wear it, so he hired a nude dancer from the Casino de Paris named... Micheline Bernardini, a model who wore it at a review of swimsuit fashions. Due to its revealing design, uh, the bikini was considered controversial, uh, facing op opposition from a number of groups that being accepted only very slowly by the general public. In many countries, the design was banned from beaches and other public places. In 1949, France banned the bikini from being worn on its coastlines. Germany banned the bikini from public swimming pools until the 1970s. And some communist groups condemned the bikini as a capitalist decadence. The bikini also faced criticism from some feminists who revealed it is a garment designed to suit men's tastes and not those of women. Yeah, feminists. 
I've seen some cute feminists. Not all of them are bad. Um, they, they just have strong views. So despite the backlash, however, the bikini still sold well throughout the early, later, early to later 20th century uh, discreetly. The bikini gained increased exposure and acceptance as film stars like Bridget Bardot, Raquel Welch, and Ursula Andress wore them and were photographed on public beaches and seen in film. I swear, that's a stupid thing. The minimalist bikini design became common in most Western countries by the mid-1960s as both swimwear and underwear. By the late 20th century, it was widely used as sportswear in beach volleyball and bodybuilding. There's a number of modern stylistic variations of this, of this design used for marketing purposes and as industry classifications, including, but not limited to, a monokini, a microkini, a tankkini, a trikini, a, a pubikini, and a skirtkini. What the hell is a pub... I don't, you know what, I'm not going to ask. I'll just let it go. A man's single piece brief swimsuit may also be called a bikini. Similarly to a variety of men's and women's underwear types are described as bikini underwear. The bikini has gradually gained wide acceptance in Western society. By the early 2000s, bikini had become a U.S. $811 million business annually and boosted spin-off services such as bikini waxing and suntanning. While the name bikini was first applied only to beachwear that revealed the wearer's navel, today the fashion industry considers any two-piece swimsuit a bikini. Modern bikini fashions are characterized by a simple brief design, two triangles of fabric that form a bra and covers a woman's breasts, and a third that forms a panty cut below the navel. Uh, oh God, let's talk about lycra. Okay. Modern bikinis were first made of cotton and jersey, but in the 60s, lycra became a common material. Alternative swimsuit fabrics such as velvet, leather, and crocheted squares surfaced by the early 70s. Yeah. If anyone's out there that has a picture of them wearing one of these, hit me up on Twitter at the OBG. I want to see it. I want to see it. In a single fashion show in 1985, there was two-piece suits with cropped tank tops instead of the usual skimpy bandeau. Suits that resembled bikinis from the front and one-pieces from the back, suspender straps, ruffles, and a deep navel-bearing cutouts. Metal and stone jewelry pieces are now often used to dress up the look and style according to taste to meet 
the fast pace of demand, some manufacturers now offer made-to-order bikinis ready in just a few is seven minutes because you just have to cut big enough for your boobs. Uh, the world's most expansive bikini was designed in February 2006 by Susan Rosen, containing 150 carats, uh, 30 grams of diamond. It was valued at 20 million pounds. Yeah. Lastly, major styles. There's a range of distinct bikini styles available. String bikinis, monokinis, we talked about them, which is topless or top and bottom connected. Trikinis are three pieces instead of two. Tank kinis, tank top and bikini bottom. Cami kinis, camisole top, bikini bottom. Bandeau kini, bandeau top, bikini bottom. Skirt kini, bikini top, skirt bottom. Granny bikini, bikini top, boy shorts bottom. Kinkinis, also hip kinis, seat kinis, or transparent. Mini kinis, micro kinis, mini minis, slingshots, or <laughs> slingshots. Wow. Uh, <laughs> thong bottoms, tie sides, and teardrops. Okay. So we hit them all. We, we hit every type of bikini there is. I know you've all been bugging me for a while, ever since I mentioned that I had a, a exhibit here at the Institute for bikinis and pinups and, yes, even Betty Page. Um, so what do we have now? Well, we have a big big deal we we have so much coming up because we got summer uh we, we talked about the most popular swimsuit and you know there's a thing about that uh because you like i was talking about feminism there's also women that are extremely self-conscious that they don't think that they have the the best body there might be flaws and they don't want to show it off to everybody so they don't want to wear that type of, of um, attire they would rather cover it up in one piece or uh, one of those they have little skirts attached to it and, or even just go in with a t-shirt on because they really don't want to show anybody what they got or they, they could be in the water and they don't want to draw sharks if you know what i mean so um what we got is we have an iconic piece of wardrobe here. And yes, I can even tie this into the Princess Leia Slave Leia outfit that we finally have wrapped up in the, the Star Wars room. Uh, we talked about that too. But everything's based upon each other. There's, there's so much. I mean, you can talk about... Uh, Jane Fonda in uh, Barbarella. She had a somewhat of a bikini outfit on, a space bikini, but it was a bikini. Uh, I, I think that the, you know, being a, a guy and uh, looking at the female form, I've, I rarely can find. Um, 
find a negative um, with the average woman. Now, you got the women that let themselves go, that uh, <laughs> that are quite um, not suited for uh, looking scantily clad or whatnot. They they do have their flaws as everybody. Um, but living in Miami, I could even tell you that women like that, you know, they, there's a lot of them that would still wear the bikini. They don't care. They don't care. And I frankly don't care either. I, I've seen it all. I, nothing surprises me. I don't get ashamed or nervous or have to turn my head. Because there's, there's nothing. There's no no shame in anything. Uh, we, I told you, like in the other episode, that we live in a sim. Our life is what we make it. We have to keep focusing and uh, change reality. Maybe maybe we could wipe the bikini from existence. Maybe we can just make everybody wear one and make that like your your attire when you go to the office. You never know. Uh, well, no one knows what the future holds. And I know it's going to bring some interesting stuff with it. Uh, lastly, the final thing I want to touch on before I kick you out of my uh, building is there's a lot more talk about doggy coins or dog coins, uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, I was speaking with a few um, people today who was playing with an idea of uh, putting on a doggy coin festival. I'm kind of linking it with, a, like, say, a crypto festival, which actually has a better ring to it. Um, so crypto fest, uh, it's in the early stages. Uh, the one guy... It holds in a, a stake in an entertainment uh, pr promotion company. So he's looking at doing something similar to Woodstock. Um, I hope it's something like Woodstock because that would be great to get some bands and uh, DJs like yours truly, uh, singers like yours truly, uh, to perform. And uh, I think think that that you know it's not going to happen this year because we're already three months in uh we don't want to pull a fire fest so wait till 2022 might have enough time to really get behind it and i'm psyched i'm, I'm psyched for something whatever's happening next you know this this doggy coin and crypto is really hitting uh hitting home everyone all the uh, Gen Zs want to see it be the end all to get rid of the fiat currency altogether. Um, when you got politicians like uh, Yellen talking about uh, how the SEC needs to be investigated and the SEC wants to investigate people and uh, getting Elon Musk involved and all these other billionaires and you know then they got Bill Gates who came out who. He's saying, don't go into crypto because crypto is bad. No. 
makes me wonder uh, when you got someone like Bill Gates pushing for vaccines and telling you don't go anywhere near crypto, you know darn well it's just the opposite. When you have a guy like that who's, whose father is big in the eugenics movement, you kind of don't want to listen to the guy. Uh, I mean, he he has these zero clout, zero, zero. Um, I I can do a whole TED talk about how shitty Bill Gates is, um, but not this episode because we're running short. So going forward, you know, if you, if you want to step into the 21st century, uh, 22nd 21st century. Uh, that we we have something that we can really use, and I know that they're going to do this giant reset where they get rid of all the fiat because there's no gold because fiat's supposed to be backed by gold, and there's no fucking gold. Um, Fort Knox is empty. There's nothing there. You could thank your, your, everyone's favorite president, uh, Richard Nixon, for that one. Uh, it's gone. Uh, probably the only person that loves that is Roger Stone because he's got tricky dicks picture on his back seriously it's like having a picture of Adolf Hitler on your forehead uh, who the hell does that so with the reset coming and everyone's going to be going to digital and there'll be no currency no dollar bills no uh, anything tangible no coins because there was already a coin shortage if you recall so Next thing we're we're going to is going to have this, you know, like go back to like all the sci-fi movies like Star Wars or whatnot. You know, they go to pay for something. They say credits. How many credits do you have? Well, that's what this is. It'd be like similar thing where it's digital. Now you either have it on a card or you have it on a chip implanted in you. Kind of against that, but. You know, if, if that's the way the, you know, our society is going to be going and none of it's real to begin with, what do I care? Uh, I'm just waiting, just waiting for that next step, waiting to get that, that you know, the get rich quick thing. Uh, but crypto, it's not really a get rich quick. It's... Uh, it's based upon volume. It's, pa- it's based upon how many people are invested in it. It's based upon uh, what the cap is. There's there's so many different incidentals. I mean, look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin just hit one trillion dollars, a trillion dollar cap. That that's crazy. That is freaking crazy. Um, so with uh, Doggy coin, uh, a, a fork off of Bitcoin, just like Litecoin. Um, when they, that's also a fork off of uh, Bitcoin. That I think that uh, you know what's going to happen is they're going to bring the value of Bitcoin down, and then once it gets to a uh, respectable amount, then I'll, the Litecoin, which is already hitting a hundred dollars, and Doggy coin, which is not even a buck. Uh, are going to start rising, and everything's just going to go up. So, since everything is a playoff of everything else, uh, you know, you, 
it, it, it's going to be a universal acceptance. Everyone's going to buy it. Everyone's going to get into it. Everyone's going to have some kind of value. So let's go into the, you know, we're 21 years into the new century. I'm already thinking another 10 years from now, 2031, where are we going to be? What's our currency going to be? When are we going to have the reset at that point? Are we going to have the reset now and just ripple? But we'll find out. You know, time's coming. We'll find out. So with that being said, we are done with the discussion today. You learned a lot. I talked a lot. You were forced to listen. And... Think about all the pretty women out there that you know, that you see, and, and wait, ladies, go through their closet. Show me, show me the pictures of your suits. I want to, I want to see what you, what you wear. Uh, it'd be really interesting. Uh, everyone wears stuff for their body types. So, what type are you? Now let me walk you to the front door and kick you out. We are done. Until next week. We will talk on something completely different. Uh, maybe I'll think next Friday's the final episode of WandaVision, so maybe I'll spend a maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about the MC. That might be a good, good one. We'll talk about the MC. Till then, get the hell out of my